Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we study God's Word today. The lesson that you're about to hear was presented to the Franklin Church on February 1st, 2009. Paul said, those who desire the office of an elder desire a good work. But what kind of work is it? It's certainly not something you just start doing overnight because a church calls you an elder. Oh no, it's a work you need to start preparing for today. In this lesson, we examine Psalm 23, seeing God as our model for being a great shepherd in the local congregation. So, open your Bible and get ready for today's lesson, so you want to be an elder someday. A couple of months ago, we had a rather sad day here at the Franklin Church. That was the day that our brother Charles Nash had stepped down from the eldership. But there was a certain amount of rejoicing as we could rejoice over the number of years of service that he offered and the great good that he's done for the congregation, the benefit and the stability that he's provided, and we rejoice over that. The reason I called to mind that day was because of one of the statements that he read as he read his letter of resignation to us. He made a comment that I thought was very interesting. He talked about the work of the elder. And he said that it's just that. It's not a title. It's not a position. It's a work. But what work? What work has God given elders? Sadly, I think a lot of folks misunderstand what the work of an elder is and what it means to be a shepherd or a pastor, a bishop. Overseer, whichever of those terms that you want to use that the Bible uses to describe that office. And the reason I bring this up is because I hope that many of you among the men of this congregation are looking forward to one day being an elder. To wanting to serve in that capacity of pastor, bishop, and overseer. But sadly, many people carry into that some fallacies regarding what that office is. I think perhaps the number one explanation or the number one term we can use for that office that describes the work is found in the passage we just read in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, where Peter said, shepherd the flock that is among you. God didn't say to those who would be elders that they are to manage the flock. He didn't say administrate. He didn't say run the congregation. He said shepherd the flock. But sadly, very few people as they look forward to becoming elders are preparing to be shepherds. They're working in the business community and they're working to be good bosses and good employers and certainly if they can make a business work, then they can be elders. But God didn't describe elders as bosses and managers and administrators. He described them as shepherds. And what I want to do this morning is disillusion you of some of the fallacies that we often have about the eldership and the shepherding so that as you plan and prepare 
to fulfill that role, you'll know what you're preparing for. No doubt, as we look at some things this morning, the elders that we have need to consider and compare and see how they're growing and how they're doing in that. But there's a reason why I'm preaching this out here instead of just having a meeting with those five men. And that's because all of us as men need to be looking to this as a goal. And even if we don't ever serve the congregation as an elder, we'll be benefited by the challenge that this presents. If the role of elder is being shepherd, then perhaps the greatest, greatest model that we can look at for that is the chief shepherd that's mentioned in verse 4. And I think that perhaps the greatest place where we can see that model is Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's the picture of our good shepherd. The model that we have for shepherding. And in this text, I think we find four great aspects of shepherding that everyone who would serve as a shepherd should follow. And these are the things, men, that we need to be preparing ourselves to do so that we might serve in God's kingdom as shepherds. Before we look at that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are awesome and powerful. You are the great shepherd. You've shepherded this universe. You brought it into existence and you have maintained it for thousands of years. You brought us into existence and you've shepherded us. And Father, we pray that you would be with this congregation, that our shepherds, the men who are already fulfilling that role, Don, Ron, Phil, David, and Jimmy, that they would continue to grow in their ability as shepherds, that they will lead us and feed us, that they'll protect us, that they'll restore us, just as you would do. Father, we pray that you would be with each and every man within this congregation, that we'll look forward and, and strive and work to prepare to be able to fulfill those roles as well. Father, we pray that you would not allow the Franklin Church to be like sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed, but that you'll always raise up among us strong shepherds who can lead and guide us and help us on our way to heaven. Father, we pray that you help them to have vision for the future, that you help them to have foresight, that you help them to watch out among the flock, to keep their eyes open and be alert, to protect us from error, to protect us from sin and Satan. Father, we'd ask that you would bless us and help us to be a congregation that follows your pattern. Father, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for where we've fallen short. And we know that you do. And we're thankful for your Son whose death washes us and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Help us to walk according to Him as our shepherd. Through Him we pray. Amen. As we take a look at Psalm 23, the very first thing we see is the shepherd must lead the sheep. Obviously, when we think about shepherds, we think about leadership. And here in Psalm 23, it mentions leadership twice, at least in the English Standard Version. In verse 2, it says, He leads me beside still waters. And in verse 3, it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. A shepherd leads. And shepherds in the congregation must lead. The reason leadership is so integrally tied to shepherding is because sheep are creatures of habit. Sheep, if left to themselves long enough, will simply stay in one little place and they'll graze their one little area until it's grazed down to a desert wasteland. They'll lay and, and wear their trails into amazing ruts that become dangerous for them and even just hang out in the same place until that ground is infested with parasites and worms. And if left to themselves, they will then become infected and sick and die. The only way to keep this from happening, because the sheep won't take care of this on their own, is for a shepherd to have vision and foresight, to look to the future, to see where he needs to move and rotate his flock so that they don't graze the ground down to the bare nub, so that they don't infect the ground, so that the grazing lands are properly used. And that's why when we think about shepherds, we think about them leading, because they're constantly having to lead their sheep to new grazing grounds. Otherwise, the sheep will die. In reality, that's very much like a congregation. If we don't have someone who is leading, if we don't have someone who is challenging, if we don't have someone who is pushing us to stay on the move, we'll become stagnant and stale. We stay in the same place. We do the same things over and over again until it's just a well-worn rut and it doesn't accomplish anything anymore. And so we need shepherds who will guide us into new territory, who will, who will take us into the future, who will keep us on the move, who will keep challenging us to grow spiritually so that we don't become stagnant and stale and lifeless, either as individual sheep or as the flock as a whole. Shepherds must lead and guide. Now in Psalm 23, it talks about leading beside still waters. And this produces an amazing word picture. So much of this are word pictures that sometimes we don't understand because we don't know much about sheep and shepherds. But we provide this amazing word picture of being led beside the quiet waters. Sheep are about 70% water. So even though they thrive in dry, semi-arid cultures, they need lots of water to survive. And I'm told that sheep drink from three different sources. They drink from the natural streams and springs. Now, that may sound easy for the shepherd that, oh, he's just got to find a stream and it's okay. But actually, in many cases, the shepherd has to search for one that is pure, that hasn't been defiled, and sometimes has to spend hard, laborious hours diverting the pure streams so that the water will go somewhere where the sheep can actually get to it. So making sure that the sheep are led beside quiet waters and still waters is hard work. The second place that they gain water from is wells. But wells don't get there on their own. Someone has to dig it. Guess who that someone is? Sheep aren't digging it. Sheep don't know where to get water. The shepherd has to dig the well. And then the shepherd has to bail the water out and get it someplace where the sheep can actually drink it. You see, leading the sheep beside still waters is not easy. It's work. And the third place that sheep find water is from the dew of the grass. And that's, that's pretty amazing. If you have lush, full, thick grass and a healthy dew, the sheep can go a long time without actually making it to the stream or to the wells. But the shepherd is the one that has to make sure the grass is going to grow properly. The shepherd is the one that seeds and, and puts the minerals and the salts out that causes the grass to grow properly, providing edible food for that dew to rest on so that the sheep can be provided for. You see, leading the sheep beside quiet waters, that's, that's hard work. And that's the same way with the shepherds of a congregation. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13 
points out one of the main problems. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. In Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, God is rebuking His people. And He says in Jeremiah 2, let's start in verse 12, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, when we talk about leading God's sheep by the still and quiet waters, we're talking about leading them by God's still and quiet waters. He is the fountain of living waters. And that ties in with the other thing the psalmist said, leading in paths of righteousness. But the problem is is that so often we want to trade off the fountain of living waters for broken cisterns and wells that men have devised. And our shepherds must make sure that we're following and being led by the waters of God's design and pattern and not by that of man's design because that can't hold any water. It may seem good. It may look attractive to us. But the systems of man's design are broken. The shepherds must lead us. Now, it's interesting that when we consider this concept of leadership, at least it's interesting to me, that God chose the picture of shepherd and sheep. Because it's really true that with shepherds, they actually lead the sheep. Look in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, verse 3, it says in John 10, to him the gatekeeper opens. That's the real shepherd of the sheep. The sheep hear His voice, He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. When He's brought out all of His own, He goes before them, and the sheep follow Him, for they know His voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from Him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Isn't that interesting? The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. He goes out before them and they follow Him. And you see the picture we've got up here? Where's the shepherd? Is he behind the sheep, prodding them, kicking them, pushing them? No, he's out in front, and they're following him. God didn't use the picture of cattle and drivers. We've all seen the westerns. How do the cattle get moved? The cattlemen, the drivers, the cowboys, they're all behind on their horses. They've got dogs. They're prodding. They're poking. They're chasing. They're pushing. Sadly, too many elders try to lead that way. But that's why Peter pointed out, as he talked to the elders there in 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge. See, the shepherds lead. Of course, the problem here is you can't lead where you haven't been. Far too many people today have not actually grown in Christ and been able to pursue a spiritual growth. And so as they're trying to shepherd congregations, they, they, they haven't been there. And so they're just domineering and pushing. Trying to get people to go ahead of them. Instead of being ahead of those they lead and calling to them to come along behind and follow. Now, this says as much about the shepherds as it does the sheep. Yes, the sheep follow, but why? Because they know the voice of the shepherd. 
The shepherd has taken time with the sheep to care for them and demonstrate that the shepherd has the best interests of the sheep at heart. And the sheep recognize that. They won't go with the stranger because they don't know where that stranger's going. But they know that their shepherd will lead them and lead them well and, and loves them and cares for them. One of the things that we need to recognize is that shepherds didn't do their shepherding by having monthly or even weekly meetings in, the, in, in some little shepherd room. Now, I recognize that's going to be necessary when we talk about congregations. I'm, I'm all for shepherds having frequent meetings. But sadly, I've been in a lot of churches where shepherds have their meetings and they think they've done shepherding. That's not shepherding. Shepherding isn't done in a boardroom. Shepherding is done out in the field. Shepherds lead. And they spend enough time with the sheep that the sheep know they can follow. Because the sheep know that the shepherds care. That's leadership. Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads. Shepherds within the flock of God must lead the sheep. Sadly, one more comment on this. I have seen far too many shepherds that don't lead, but rather are led. And I don't necessarily mean being led by the congregation. I don't necessarily mean being led by their wives. I don't necessarily mean being led by the money in the congregation. I've seen far too many shepherds that instead of having vision and foresight and saying, you know what, we need to take the flock here, they're just kind of reacting to whatever happens around them. They're wishing, they're hoping, but they don't have vision for the future that says this is where we're going and we're going to take the flock there. See, that's leadership. Shepherds lead. The second thing that we learn from Psalm 23 is that shepherds feed the sheep. In Psalm 23 and verse 5, the psalmist said, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now this table here for us today, I don't know, as a kid what I always saw was being in some king's hall and some feast table and just all kinds of food there, but that's not what's being talked about here. This is sheep and shepherds. This is talking about the higher feeding grounds that are up in the mountains that the shepherds would lead their sheep to during the summer months. He says, you prepare a table talking about table land for me in the presence of my enemies. Before the sheep ever get to that table land, the shepherd has to go up to that table and prepare it. They have to take the minerals, the salts, the fertilizers, whatever it is to make sure that the grass grows. They've got to find and see if there's poisonous weeds and, and do whatever they can to eradicate them. And if they can't, find some other table land. It takes work to prepare the table for the sheep. On top of that, it's in the presence of enemies, which we will talk about just a moment later, but they've got to prepare that land to make it safe for their sheep to feed there. So when it talks about the shepherd feeding the sheep, we're talking about some serious work going on here. I recognize, as we can tell from the letters to Timothy and Titus, that an evangelist teaches the congregation and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, this, this idea that folks today have that evangelists aren't allowed to teach a congregation is just not in the Bible. Just read First and Second Timothy and Titus. That's, that's what he did. But at the same time, we need to remember what it says in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, it says about the elder, the shepherd, that he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. 
The shepherd is responsible to know sound doctrine so that he can instruct. And it's sad, but in far too many churches today, even though we'll preach in the doctrine against the pastor system, of the preacher being the pastor, as seen in so many denominations, so many churches, that's exactly what we have. That it's the preacher who really acts as the pastor, as the shepherd who feeds the sheep. The, the ones who are supposed to be the shepherds are supposed to do the feeding. They make sure that a good preacher is hired. And I think our elders did a good job with that. I, I don't know. Y'all can, y'all can judge that. But that's, you know, that's the extent of their feeding or, or maybe deciding what's going to be taught in classes. But they make some decisions about what's going to be taught, but they're not, they're doing little to no feeding themselves. Shepherds must be feeders. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Those elders are to be accorded double honor. Shepherd must lead the sheep. Shepherd must feed the sheep. The third thing that we see from Psalm 23 is that the shepherd must protect the sheep. We've already read there from verse 5 where it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When the shepherd prepares that table land, the predators are around that. And the shepherd must be ever vigilant to protect his sheep from those predators because sheep are helpless. That's, that's the way it is with shepherds and sheep. Sheep can't protect themselves. So the shepherd must always be on the watch. But it says here, that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's also this verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death, despite the fact that we have most commonly used it to talk about days preceding our death, to help people feel comfortable as they're facing that death, that's not what it's talking about. When it talks about the valley of the shadow of death and the picture of sheep and shepherd, it's talking about those valleys that the shepherd would lead the sheep through to get to the tabletops. Those are dangerous places. In danger of avalanche, in danger of flash flood, in danger of, of rainstorms, of mudslides, in danger of predators. There were all kinds of enemies. And as they were going through the valley, that was the most dangerous part of the sheep's year. But this sheep says about his shepherd, I can walk through that valley without fear because I have a shepherd who's with me. God is our protector. When we talk about being a shepherd in a congregation, it talks about being a protector. One who protects the sheep from all the enemies out there that would pluck the sheep off. From the poisons that would kill them from within. From the enemies that would eat them from without. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. And in verse 28 of Acts chapter 20, Paul said, Acts 20 and verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul says to the shepherds that they need to be on the alert for enemies from within. 
Titus. Titus chapter 1. We read verse 9 just a moment ago. Look at verse 10. Verse 9 said that the shepherd must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he can be able to instruct in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. Verse 10, For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Got to watch out for enemies from within and from without. So you see, if you want to be an elder someday, you've got to be preparing yourself for that. You've got to be in the Word so that you can teach it. You've got to be in the Word so that you can rebuke those who go away from it. You've got to be in the Word so that you can protect the sheep and the flock. You've got to be able to learn what kind of things will pull sheep away, what kind of things attract sheep so that you can help them overcome. You've got to learn the ploys of the enemy so that you can be there to protect. You've got to learn the errors so that you can overcome them. You want to be an elder? That's not going to happen overnight. Church isn't going to appoint you an elder and suddenly all that happens. You've got to be preparing to accomplish that. The shepherd must protect the sheep because there are enemies. One of the aspects of protection that we don't like to talk about is also mentioned in Psalm 23. But the sheep, the wise sheep says, I fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. The rod was a measure of protection. But the rod was used in the main part for discipline. A sheep that's starting to head off into a dangerous area, the shepherd would take his rod, which was, which was a sapling that had been pulled up and it, it had been whittled down and there was a knob at the bottom of it where the root ball had been and it had been whittled down and they'd take that thing and sling it at the sheep so they'd go scurrying back to get with the flock. That's the picture of the sheep and shepherd. First Corinthians chapter 5 presents a picture of congregational discipline. We're afraid of this today because we're afraid that somebody's going to accuse us of spiritual abuse. And there is spiritual abuse. There are shepherds who have abused Christians and churches that have abused. But just as there's a difference between abusing a child and disciplining a child healthfully, there's a difference between spiritual abuse and spiritual discipline. In 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 4 it says, When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or a reviler, a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Healthy discipline takes place when it's being accomplished for two reasons. Number one, to take the impenitent sinner and help him come back to the flock. And number two, to keep the leaven of the impenitent sinner from leavening the entire flock and causing them to lead everyone out of the fold. 
Discipline is a part of this protection. If you want to be an elder someday, you need to learn to have the courage to discipline. Learn when to discipline and how. You need to learn to protect the flock from enemies without, from error within, from whatever might cause sheep to lose their lives. That, that's the purpose of discipline. That's the purpose of protection, to protect. And the final thing that I believe we see in Psalm 23 is the shepherd restores the sheep. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 3, he restores my soul. Again, this is an amazing word picture between sheep and shepherd. It calls to mind something that was said in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, Jesus, as He looked at the crowds, it says He had compassion for them in Matthew 9.36 because they were harassed and helpless as sheep without a shepherd. In the English Standard Version where it says helpless, that word literally means cast down. And for the shepherd, that meant something about his sheep. They talked about a sheep being cast or cast down. A sheep finding a very comfortable spot would, would set down and, and start to move and kind of roll a little bit and get rested there, but then the center of gravity would shift and they'd roll right over on their side. Those little sheep legs just flopping in the air. They can't get back up on those legs. And they just sit there trying to rock back and forth, kicking their legs. Sometimes they bleat for a little bit of help, but usually they just sit there trying to do it all on their own. And so the shepherd has to be watching out for them because if he doesn't, They'll just become exhausted by their own efforts to restore themselves and they'll die. Or a sheep trying to get to that luscious piece of wool grass that's right over there just inside that bush gets up into the bush and his wool gets caught in the brambles. And he starts trying to back out. The, the branches have caught onto the wool and he's just stuck there and starts kicking and pushing and pulling and, and going in further and backing up. And, and all it does is cause the brush to get more tangled in the wool until it's finally just utterly exhausted and just collapses. And if the shepherd's not vigilant for that and watching for that, that sheep's going to die. So when David wrote, He restores my soul, that's what he was talking about. He was talking about a vigilant, watchful shepherd who was looking out for when the sheep has become cast. And because we're sheep, we're not exactly smart enough to fix it ourselves. And so he comes along. That's what a shepherd in the congregation has to do. He has to restore the sheep. And I've heard shepherds that complain that say, why when the, when the folks in the congregation have a problem, they don't come see us? Because they're sheep. We're sheep. That's what we do. We try to fix things on our own. Shepherds have to be vigilant and watchful. And if you want to be a shepherd one day, you need to t- start paying attention. You need to pay attention to the signs and learn how people look and act when they're going through spiritual trouble so that you can help restore. Don't sit around waiting for them to do something real major. It'll be too late then. If you find them after they're already utterly exhausted, they're going to die. The good shepherd restores. This is so integrally part of the shepherding that in Ezekiel chapter 34, when God wanted to rebuke the shepherds of Israel, this is where he taught. In Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 3, Guys, this is such an important passage. Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 3 says to the shepherds, You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Verse 4, 
The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. Why does sheep get scattered? Because the shepherd's not doing his job. What's the shepherd's job? The shepherd's job is to strengthen the weak, to heal the sick, to bind up the injured, to bring back the strength, to seek the lost. That's what the shepherd's supposed to be doing. But these shepherds weren't doing it. That's work. That's a lot of work. tell you. I'll just kind of throw this in for free, going back with the discipline. Today, I've been in discussions with people in lots of different places about, you know, when we withdraw from somebody and, and what we do with sheep. What about the ones that don't come anymore? What does this say we do about the ones that don't come anymore? We've come up with some kind of church rule that says if people say they're not a member here, oh, okay. Off you go. What does this shepherd do with people say, hey, I'm just not a member of that flock anymore? I'm not talking about folks who have gone under another shepherd. That's fine. They've been bought and sold to another shepherd. They've got somebody else who's leading them. But these folks who just leave, and we say, oh, okay, they said they're not members here anymore. The shepherd's job is to seek the stray, not let the stray go just because they want to be strays. You need to remember that. Isn't that the picture that Jesus presented in Luke chapter 15? In verse 4, when he says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? That's the picture. The shepherd restores the sheep. Alongside this restoration is the idea of comfort. Comforting the sheep. In verse 2 it says of Psalm 23, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, according to Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he says there's four uh, prerequisites before a sheep will lie down. Number one, freedom from fear of outside attack. Number two, freedom from tension within the flock. Number three, freedom from hunger. And number four, and this is the one I want us to think about, freedom from pests. See, flies and worms, and parasites, and gnats, and all kinds of things would, would flock around the sheep, and nematodes would drill into their nose and cause all kinds of problems. And the sheep, of course, trying to deal with this frustration, would ram its head into a rock just to get it to stop. The shepherd is the one that takes care of those pests. In fact, when he says, you anoint my head with oil... Again, remember, this is a picture of sheep and a shepherd. It's not talking about the king who's being anointed. It's talking about the sheep who is having the salves and the oils placed on them. The reason why is to repel all those pests, to provide the comfort that keeps him from beating himself to death. Shepherds comfort and restore the flock. If you want to be an elder one day, you've got to be prepared for this. This is why in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, it says in Hebrews 13 and verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will, give an, who will have to give an account. Now that phrase, keeping watch, we don't see it, but in the Greek that word means 
without sleep. That's what that word is, literally. For they are without sleep as those who would give account. It's kind of like the other night. We had some boys sleeping over with Ethan. And of course, when they slept over, you know what they wanted to do. You know, when boys sleep over, they don't ever say, oh, it's 8.30, can we go to bed now? They wanted to stay up and play. Now, I'm not a very good shepherd. I went on to bed. But Marie, I said, look, they'll be fine. But Marie, she comes up a little bit later, and she's still not asleep. Why? Because she knows she has to give account for them. I just think, oh, if they get hurt, that's just boys. No big deal. They'll wake me up if they get hurt loud enough or bad enough. She was without sleep because she was watching. She knew she'd get account. That's the way shepherds are, without sleep. You see, being a shepherd is not about a position or a title. It's not about responsibility. It's not about rights. Wow. It's not about rights. It's about responsibilities. And you want to be an elder someday? You need to be prepared to give your life over completely to caring for sheep. Don't work on learning how to balance budgets. Don't work on learning how to administer businesses. Learn how to serve sheep. Because that's what a shepherd does. You want to be an elder someday? Work at being a shepherd. It won't happen overnight. You won't just go on about your business and then at the last minute they say, hey, we need elders and, hey, I think I'll go, I'll put my name in the hat. And then they call you an elder and suddenly you really are a shepherd. It doesn't work that way. It takes preparation and planning and this is what we need to be preparing for. How are you doing? Shepherds lead, shepherds feed, shepherds protect, and shepherds restore. I hope this lesson edified you and glorified God. If you have any questions about this lesson or if you have any spiritual needs or prayer requests, please feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359. Or you can also reach us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you ever happen to be in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you face-to-face. Please join us for any of our classes or assemblies. You can find directions and meeting times on our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We look forward to meeting you. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.